I'm Jim. And I'm Emily. And we're, we're the, the Summers, Summers family. family. She works in an office. And he runs the home. Together, we're raising our four kids with an emphasis on family, adventure, and the arts. Welcome to the Summers Time Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Summer's Time Podcast. Uh, tonight's episode, we're going to do a bit of a cage match, if you will. Kids versus your spouse. Who wins? <laughs> Emily, why don't you tell our listeners what that kind of means? We've talked about this a lot throughout our relationship. And, you know, everyone does things differently. So we're not knocking how anyone approaches their family. But we mm. wanted to talk about our feelings on who should be in first place and again this is going to be a controversial like a yeah. episode yeah <laughs> um but should the should your spouse come first or should your kids come first right so we wanted to share um some of our philosophy behind it and uh just open up the conversation and again it doesn't mean that this way is better than another way at all it's just the way that we do it Right. So we thought we would, as you say, share our thoughts on that and you guys can take it for what it is and hopefully you have your own way. But I've learned that sometimes it's a little easier to do one thing over the other um, and we'll we'll kind of get into that. So the question that we pose is, can you have it all? Yeah. So can your, can everyone be number one? Right. Which I think ultimately that's the goal, right? Even though it sounds a little weird because technically not everyone can be number one, but no one wants to put their kids second. I mean, of course, you love your kids as a parent, ideally, and you also don't want to put your spouse on the back burner either. But I think part of the reason that you and I have chosen to kind of focus on on each other as kind of the roots and you know the the tree of our, I guess if that's a good analogy, the tree of our uh, relationship is because, simply put, without you and me, those children wouldn't be here. So. Yeah, if you go back to just the basics when when right. it all began and all began with us and they were the offspring of us. So yep. to us, we feel like the core of the family is our relationship mm-hmm. and we have to make sure that that's really strong in order for the rest of it to be strong. Probably to some degree you can have it all, but I think it does require a little bit of mindfulness on where and what you pay attention to and mm. where it all begins. So yeah, as we said, we we view ourselves, if you look at just use the analogy of a family tree, we're the roots of the tree, we're the foundation of the tree. Right. And everything springs from that. And if your roots and your foundation are healthy, then theoretically that creates a more fertile environment for everything else to be healthy. I had a friend uh, mentioned to me before we got married uh, and I've, I've I have kind of thought about this throughout the years that we've been married. I kind of took it to heart. Um, this person told me, you know, congratulations on getting married soon. Um, one piece of advice that I'll give you is make sure that your relationship is strong because the kids unknowingly will try to tear it apart. And it again, the key word there is unknowingly. The kids aren't actively doing this maliciously or anything like that. They just they just want what they want. You know, they're little tiny beings that need things and want things and they don't know yet how to work within the societal norms of waiting in line, I suppose. So they're going to go after it and they're going to tear you down. And so I thought that was pretty good advice that, you know, as long as you and I can work on our relationship and make it strong and we have our foundation, we have our, our morals, our beliefs, and we're also, and maybe most importantly, on the same page when it comes to discipline and things like that, then... The kids can't tear us apart because we're on the same 
on the same front. Now, again, I want to just, <laughs> I want to emphasize that our kids aren't tearing us apart. They're good kids and most kids are good kids, but the idea is, is that they just don't know yet. And so you got to be strong as a relationship in order to, to, you know, help them grow and, and be better. So why do you think that people do put their kids first? Honestly, I've, I actually have done some thinking about this over the years. Um, I think it's because it's such a wonderment to people like that they can't believe or, or, or it's hard for them to believe that this little person came from them, which is totally understandable why someone would think that. But the problem is, is that they put all their eggs into that basket then because it just becomes the norm. I've heard people say, oh, they'll post a picture on social media or something of themselves with their kid. And now the, the line that always gets me is the love of my life. And okay, you you can say that, that it's perfectly fine. But I kind of sit back a little bit. I'm like, the love of your life should be your spouse or your partner. Um, now, for those that don't have spouses or partners, I understand even more so. But if you are married, have a partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, I believe personally that that person should be the love of your life. Because without that person, that little child in your hand wouldn't be there. So, you know, and again, as you said from the top, this might sound a little controversial. We're not trying to foist our beliefs on anyone else. It's just this is what we do. Um, and I do strongly believe in that. So I'm going to kind of voice my opinion a little more than I might normally. Um, because I think that I think people just kind of assume that once there's a child here on earth with them, that that child should be the end all be all. And they forget about their spouse or their partner then. I think there's also a level of obligation that you feel like that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. You had this kid and if you are going to be a good parent, then you really need to pay attention to them and they need to be the number one central focus of your life. But we've talked about that a little bit in other episodes where that can actually be a hindrance where you prop them up and you support them so much that then they almost don't. It's, they lose their ability to stand on their own two feet. Right. Totally agree. They, they don't, they're coddled, I guess, for lack of a better term. They're coddled to the point where they don't learn how to do what they might need to do to become an independent person someday because they've just been, well, I guess the term that people use is helicopter parents. And that's maybe a little bit different, but in the same vein where it's, they don't, they're not kind of given the opportunity to explore on their own. They're coddled. So let's explore what else we think happens when kids are number one. Mm -hmm. So for sure, I think it puts them on a pedestal where it can almost make them feel like they're the most important thing because that's what you're trying to do is demonstrate that they're the most important thing. And I think that that can almost make the kids feel like they should always be the most important thing. Right. Sets them up for... Yeah, it can mislead them a little bit because they're not always going to be the most important thing to everyone in the world. Definitely not. And (laughs) I don't think that they should feel less than, you know, that, that they, that you love them immensely. Right. But when there's so much, um, attention and dedication to them, I think that, you know, you kind of enter that zone potentially of entitlement and, um, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it's been good for our kids to, um, I think it's almost made them be a little bit more independent, which I think has been good. So, you know, we, we definitely demonstrate that we love them in many, many ways, but we're also not afraid to take a night and go out on a date and we do it regularly. I mean, when we're not quarantining, we're doing it every single week. It's kind of become a a basis of our relationship is to make sure that you and I 
you know, keep that alive and are able to talk as two adults. Cause this one thing our kids like to do is kind of eavesdrop and listen to our conversations and I'm not blaming them, but I, sometimes you and I have things to talk about that don't concern them or are not appropriate for them. Well, so it's nice to get too, out. What are we demonstrating to them? We're demonstrating them to care for and put their spouse in a very important position. Right. And I think that's good for them to see. It's good for them to see that we're nurturing our relationship. And I think, you know, it's not that you can't, it's one or the other necessarily, um, but I do think I go back to that strong foundation. Are you consistently thinking of ways to make your relationship stronger to the same degree that you're thinking of ways to make your kid be a good kid? That's a very to good question. To make them live up to whatever, um, to make them feel loved and comfortable. Do, like If you really ask yourself, are you putting that same level into your marriage? Or like... Like, what's the difference between the two? And that's where I think there's like, like a big disparity. There tends to be a big disparity. And it's easier, I think, with a spouse to maybe pump the brakes a little bit and focus more on the kids because, like you said, they can be more vocal. But also, you're married to your spouse, so you kind of tend to think like oh, you signed already, the contract. We did it. You're yeah. still going to be there no matter what. But that's not always true. And it's unfortunately, and I think that it, it lends itself to the negative aspect of losing connection with your spouse as the years go on, because you and I have already been, well, we've been doing this for 11 years, marriage, and we've, uh, our oldest will be 10 at the end of the year. So almost 10 years of, of child rearing, many more to go. And throughout these 10, the first 10 years and the next 10 years, we're going to be busy doing activities, um, you know, birthdays, uh, holidays, vacation, you know, you name it, we're going to be busy with that. And so it's, it'll be very easy if we just let things go or we focus too much on the kids that in 10 years time, you and I will look at each other and be like, well, potentially we could say, who are you again? <laughs> like, I don't really, like, we just don't know each other anymore because we didn't put the time or effort into staying close, nurturing the relationship. And I guess, again, to put it this way, kind of putting that first and then not letting that just be lost in the shuffle. Like you said, you know, we signed the contract, we're married. Okay, whew, done with that. Now we can just live our lives. It's not It's not like that. Yeah, because for sure your relationship is going to change. You as individuals are going to change. Mm -hmm. And by the time you're 18 years into your relationship, maybe even longer, but 18 years when your first kid goes to college or your first kid moves out of the house or they enter yeah. adulthood, do you recognize the person that you're looking at? Did you invest in your relationship along the way, the same way that you're investing in your children? Right. Because you might look across the table when it's just the two of you again and not recognize that person and not have the common ground that you once had. Sadly, I think that because of that, that's probably led to a number of uh, breakups, divorces, um, you know, things of that nature, because the two people who may have done a fine job raising their kids for the kids forgot about themselves. And then therefore they, it, they just weren't, they maybe fell out of love. They weren't compatible anymore, a combination of the two. And so it there therefore kind of ended the relationship, which is a dark way to put it kind of sad. I don't want to go into that hole, but that's kind of why this topic we think is very important to us because we don't want to end up like that ourselves. And plus I personally, you know, I'm, I enjoy being with you and doing things with you. And while I love our four kids to the moon and back, I 
want to be with you too. I mean, at the end of the day, I kind of tell the kids, I'm like, nope, I need mom time, mom and me time. You guys go to bed or do your own thing. I need to talk to your mother. The next point that I want to make, I think it kind of depends on the type of kid that you have, like the type of personality. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I think if the focus is on the kids, again, depending on the personality, it can feel like too much pressure in a way. Like I remember, and and I'm not saying that my, my, you know, my parents put their relationship first in a lot of ways, but my dad was also a stay-at-home dad. And I just, for some reason, I felt really sensitive to his responsibility was us. And I remember going to college and feeling really bad. Like I had a brother and sister who were younger than me and okay, so he's still got them to take care of, but he's got one less person. And Mm, we're, we're a strong, we represent a strong part of his purpose. Right. And I'm going away and doing this thing. And is he going to feel as fulfilled? And it made me feel really, really sad. And, and it was a, I don't know, it was kind of a weird thing. And I, again, I don't think that that would be the case for everybody. But I do think in certain scenarios when you're you're so invested in your kids that it can make them feel pressure. And I wouldn't yeah. take away anything that my dad did. I don't think he did anything wrong. I think he did everything right. And I, and I, w- and I wouldn't necessarily say that he like he definitely had activities outside of us and stuff but i just wonder if he it could guilty. also lead to feeling like you know just th- that there's some extra weight on your shoulders that's probably me being like extra i don't know sensitive uh, or something well i was going to say that i mean that's a very for a going you said going to college so for a let's say a 20 or 21 year old uh, person that's kind of a an intellectual way to think about it. I don't know many college kids who are worried about their parents when they leave to go to college. Most college kids are can't wait to get away and and go and be by themselves and make new friends and party and all that stuff. But at the same time, that's also very, you know, loving and caring of you that you thought, you know, your dad's purpose may be, you know, starting to get lost because you were gone and then your brother was going to go to school. And then, you know, a couple of years later, your sister would as well. And you know, take away the kind of the, the the funny part of it. Like that is true, though. You know, you kind of maybe he put inadvertently, and maybe he and your mom put too much pressure on you guys, so that you felt bad when you when you left. Um, at the same time, I will say as kind of a disclaimer, you know, I knowing you and your brother and sister, you guys are all successful people. You're all very independent, so I think it all worked out pretty good for you guys. But I do think that you're right. There's it, it does put pressure on kids at all levels, at all ages, um, that they you know they don't even realize it probably. But it, you know it does put pressure on them that you know, to perform well, to excel, to you know whatever the case may be. Where I I actually kind of like the fact that you and I, you know we we expect things of our kids in certain aspects, but for the most part we let them be, we let them live. And I I will admit this too. I think part of it is that you and I are a little selfish with our relationship. Like we really want our relationship and the kids are there, you know, and and we created that, but that doesn't mean that you get to just step on our relationship. You know, like I, I remember specifically after Jack was born and this is our first and you and I would, he'd start crying in the other room and you and I would, I think most parents would probably jump out of bed and, Oh, is the baby okay? You and I would lie there and be like, should we go get him or should we let him just fall back to sleep? And then we'd, I don't know. I don't want to get out of bed. I'm too warm. You know, like we would say that kind of stuff. I mean, of course we would take care of him if he really needed us, but we were kind of, we were taking care of ourselves. I mean, like he'll be fine. He's not going to, he's not going to die. He's going to be fine. So we, we already from our firstborn kind of just assumed that 
it's you and me. It's our relationship. The kids come second. And that doesn't mean that they're worse than us. It just means that without us, they wouldn't be here. So we have to make sure that us is good because if us is good, we as a collective will be good. Do you think that there's times that the kids should be first though? All this said, I think that there's an ebb and flow of life. And are there times that they should be number one? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't want to sit here and, and pound that point home too hard because yes, you, you, you have to kind of strike a balance for sure. Um, I think that the, you know, just a couple easy examples off the top of my head would be, you know, school related activities, extracurricular activities, things like that, where they're excelling, you know, I think you want to make sure that you are working as a team to get to those things. So you're the worker and you, well, if we weren't in a pandemic, you'd be going to your office, but now you're in, in, in your home office. If there's things that the kids need to, you know, have done, or if they were in activities, for instance, that's kind of on me, but that doesn't mean that that we're that we're not working together on that, but the kids come first there, like the dance stuff that we went through with the girls this spring like that needed to get done. Well, you know, we can't just say forget the dance stuff. We want to have a date night. You know, we got to take care of that. We got the dance stuff, the science fairs, the baseball games. That stuff's important to to us for the kids because it's a it's a growth aspect for the kids. And so, I that's my take on. It. You probably have something else to say as well, but I think it's. For them to be able to grow and mature, we have to nurture that as well. And sometimes that does come before us. And that's what sacrifice is. And I think that sometimes it's all of them at once. And sometimes it's an individual kid. So just like you and I will go on a date. We also do that with the kids. We'll take one out mm-hmm. and, um, you know, individually, just like mom and kid or both of us and kid. And we really just focus on them. Or um, there's also times where we say, okay, we're going to go to the pool and we all hang out in the pool together. And it's about having fun with them or, right. um, you know, we're going to do something as a family, pay, play a board game. So we tend to, if you look throughout the week, we tend to have really like dedicated time for them to make sure that they're also getting you know, real quality time with us as well. So I think that there's regular uh, regular time that you dedicate to them and there's also just phases of life where they're going through different things right. or um, different experiences that you want to make sure you're fully, you know, available for them. So with that said, I think there's a way to appropriately focus on them as a whole, but also as an individual. And I think you're pretty good at this. I, I don't always find it as easy, but um, you're good at picking out what the strengths and weaknesses are of the kids and then honing in on that. And I think this kind of comes back to, uh, we talked about this in an earlier episode, the love languages and what our kids look for in a loving relationship. And so one of them might need little, you know, extra tender loving care. You know, they, they need to be not held, but like, you know, just need to be taken care of a little bit more. And another one might want to go to an activity with one of us or whatever. And I think that's how you can hone in and decide, okay, so I'm going to take so-and-so out for a lunch date and we're going to go to this restaurant because you know that they love that restaurant and that just their eyes light up. It's, I mean, it just, that makes them feel good. You're speaking their language and then, you know, it might be different with another kid or whatever, but I think that's kind of how you can focus on them uh, you're, and we're not, you and I aren't, you know, losing anything of ourselves. It's just that we're then able to focus on one kid at a time or all together and say, Hey, we're going to go, like you said, to the pool or go to, go to a movie or do this, that, or the other thing. And, and it's odd. It's about them then. And it's fun to watch them light up when, when we're doing that. The, I don't, this is, this might be kind of a weird analogy, but 
and it kind of goes back to the tree in a in a way. But while you were talking, the thing I kept thinking about is, I think the appropriate level of attention that you give kids is something along the lines of being a baby bird. Like you, you make them feel like they're safe in the nest. You nurture them. You, you do every, you know, they're, they're so dependent on you. And then you start to peel back a little bit. You know, they might be more dependent in the beginning. Yeah, you kind of play with it a little bit, see you where, how back a far little bit. you can go. I think I heard someone say, maybe it was Dr. Phil at some point, and it was along the lines of that as a parent, you need to be able to go from manager to mentor or manager to counselor. It was something along those lines. Yeah. And I think that that's really true. And if you think about the baby bird in the nest, you're really nurturing the baby bird in the beginning. And then at some point you kick them out of the nest and they have to learn how to fly. Right. And they have to learn how to be independent. And there might be a few takes, there might be a few tries where it's hard. But they have to learn that. But they have to learn that. Yeah. And so I, I do think that the right level of attention is making them feel like they are always in a safe space in your home and in your family and they're always loved and they're always important to you. And it's they, they can always come back to that. They can always come back to the nest. But that to be a bird or to really be like fully who they are, you have to leave the nest. You have to you have to fly. You have to you have to go out on your own and seek the adventure. And I do think that some of what we're saying today plays into that because if if you've got that strong foundation, you know, you as a team are encouraging that from the kid versus, you know, really pouring everything into the kid, which I think is the counter of what say, we're getting the, at that's here. The, like the opposite side. Then I think it's a lot harder for the kid to fly away from the nest. When I think that's our job as parents, and this might sound kind of like duh or cliche, but our job as parents is to, you know, manage, like you just said, manage them at the beginning because they don't know anything yet <laughs> or very little, and then mentor them in their, you know, teenage years, for instance, it, so that they are prepared then to leave the nest and be on their own. Now, of course, you know, they might still have uh, or need help as they're getting out on their own. I mean, God knows I did when I was getting out on my own. I was a little bit slower to, to figure it all out. Nothing wrong with that. But that's our job as parents is to do that. Now, the trick is, and this goes back to the, the whole point of this podcast, is can you do that together as a couple and come out strong, as strong or stronger on the other end when your kids are, are have left the nest, if you will? Or are you going to throw all your eggs in one basket, no pun intended, and and that means basically just focus on the kids only, and then you're going to kind of put each other off to the side, and then when you are empty nesting, you don't know your significant other, spouse, partner, whatever. So I think that's kind of the gist of what we're talking about here is you got to form the bond, you got to have the foundation, you got to have the wanting and the, the wherewithal to be able to do that. And then you just take everything, you know, day at a time, week at a time, month, year, whatever. But I also think that one thing else that will uh, the kids will benefit from is that they see what we're doing. So you and I can sit here and talk about how it's important for us to be foundational, strong, loving, whatever. That's great for us, and that's what we want and what we want or what we need. But that also rubs off on the kids. They see that. They see us working together as a team. So ideally then they go out and they learn how to work as a team. I'm not just talking about, 
you know, a loving relationship. I'm talking about a working relationship as well. They're seeing us working as business partners as well as, uh, you know, spouse, uh, spouses. And I think that that's hopefully going to give them uh, the extra push that they might need as well once they're out of the, of the nest and ready to be on their own. So here's a curveball question. Where does self, yourself, fit into the equation? And well, okay, I might ask a question with a question. Like, do you mean yourself with each other or yourself in the whole thing with our kids? Or what, what do you mean? So we have spouse, like different relationships. There's the relationship with your spouse, the relationship with your kids, the relationship with yourself. Okay. Where does self fit? That's a good question. I would say that at times, self has to be first. And I think that goes with anything. I mean, it's sometimes you have to think of numero uno. You got to put yourself first in order to keep yourself either sane, safe, happy. You can probably name a few other adjectives there. Um, but at the same time, that's the balancing act, I think, with the relationship. So again, I would say the relationship would come first. But if that's if you're not happy as a you know yourself, then the relationship isn't going to be happy either. So technically. Yourself almost has to come first. I think the self has to come first because that's what you're bringing to the relationship. Yeah. And if you're bringing something that you aren't nurturing, if you're bringing something to your relationship that you aren't pouring into, that you aren't working on, then... then It's going to poison the relationship. Exactly. So I actually think, you know, our whole conversation was spouse, kids, but really there's a trifecta. And then, of course, you could go like super... Then slippery slope, like you also go into friends and you go into the community yeah. and like <laughs> we'll all We'll save this that stuff. for another episode. But I guess if you just look at your immediate family, I think probably it's self, spouse, kids. Yeah. I, and I would, I would agree with that 100%. You know, you, because you, you said it right. If you're not bringing your A game to the relationship, the relationship's not going to be good. And if the relationship's not good, the kids aren't going to be good. I mean, it's kind of a domino yeah. effect, yeah. I guess, if you will. I remember, um, I think it was my mom that told me, my dad used to say, you can't love someone else until you love yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So just a note to close on, um, I thought it would be good to share some of the ways that we focus on each other in our relationship. And some of these we touched on before, but just as like a like top of mind, what do you think the things are that we do to nurture our relationship? Well, I will reference again, the love languages that, um, this will be kind of funny, but honestly, I mean, I'm I, my number one love language, as you might recall from the other episode, is physical touch. I remember when I was a kid that, um, you know, my dad would come home from work and we'd be, you know, my mom would be making food and we'd be hanging around, might be at the table ready to eat. And he'd come home and give my mom a hug and a kiss. And I picked up on that. And I think my brothers and sisters did as well. It was almost every night, at least unless he was traveling or got home really late or something. And I think I subconsciously do that with you. Um, it's not necessarily that you're making food or whatever, but when I see you, I have a tendency to just give you a hug or a quick peck. And and it just, I think that that shows the kids my love to you. And I'm not doing that for them per se. I mean, it, it's a secondary thing. I'm doing that because I want to do that for you um, and for myself because I, I, I enjoy that. Um there's also some of the things that we covered on other episodes. So like the one-on-ones that we do on Sundays, yeah, yeah, I think that was episode one. Um, the, you know, doing a date night, we're getting a little bit back into that as at least in Illinois, the quarantine's lifted a bit. Um, who knows where it'll go from here, but we've been taking some opportunities to go on dates. Um, 
doing this podcast is a really good yeah, way for us is, to stay connected. This is a great example of what we're doing to stay connected this and, podcast. <laughs> and by the way, one of the things that we've been talking about with the podcast is this will be a really good library of things for the kids to go to as they get older An as archive, well. archive, if you will. <laughs> yeah, gosh, I just think, man, that would have been so cool if my parents had done this when we were growing up. Like, what would yeah. their tips and advice be when they were our age? And so anyway, yeah, we've sure. been talking about that. That's an offshoot good thing of the podcast. Um, but we've also been like in the quarantine um, going to this little park area where the, you know, there's not a lot of kids, but they play around. Um, If there are kids, then we tend to either encourage them to keep their distance or we head out. But mostly we've found times where um, we can kind of be the only ones there and the kids will play in the playground and we just sit and we talk. Um, One of the things that I also like to do, which is kind of a quirky thing for me, but when I used to work at Motorola, we one of our taglines was called Seamless Mobility. And I've kind of integrated that into my life in general. And and one of the things that I enjoy doing is making your life as easy as possible. It doesn't always work, but I try to. Uh, and that includes like now that you're at home working from home in your office, like sometimes it'll be as simple as, you know, you're, you'll put your coffee in the microwave to, to give it a zap or whatever. And, and then you'll walk back to your office and then I'll hear it beep and I'll just grab it and, br- and bring it to you. So you don't have to come out. I'm not trying to, you know, get any brownie points or anything like that. It's just, I like doing that. I like being of service to people in general, but certainly to you, what makes your life easier. And I, I do this with the technology around the house. I do it with um, the services that we we have around the house, or with certainly my own services when I'm doing things. Um, that makes me feel good that you are able to just live, hopefully, a little easier of a life because I understand how hard you work for yourself and for the family. So it's kind of like, again, part of the love language of just going back and forth with each other. But that's how I help try to keep our relationship alive. But again, it's not because I'm trying to gain brownie points. I truly enjoy doing that and. Hopefully it benefits you and, you know, then it works for both of us. Yeah. So I think that about sums it up. I I mean, this has always been an important subject for us. It's one that we've been wanting to talk about for a while on the podcast. And, um, you know, it's become a little bit even more important now during the quarantine and social distancing. Like, how do you find time to really focus on your spouse when your kids are around all the time? Um, But it remains really, really important to us. And I think through this time, it's just really emphasized how much we've had to evolve, how we pay attention to each other and how we pay attention to our relationship and really be mindful and intentional about carving out that time. Right. And so again, we uh, obviously did not want to sound too controversial. Please don't take this as we're telling anyone what to do. We just wanted to share our thoughts on what we think is good for us. And maybe maybe you guys might find it good for you. Um, if nothing else, hopefully you just enjoyed what you heard. But again, uh, make sure to give us a, a follow slash like on Facebook if you haven't already. You can hear us on any and all podcast platforms. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks.